first time I walked in across that gravel parking lot and into those doors that now go into the nursery area, Chris Christensen stops. He was the door greeter. I've never seen this man before in my life. And he looks at me and he said, come here, I got to tell you something. <laughs> what? I got to warn you about something. I said, what is it? He said, come and here will be habit for me. <laughs> Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us has a unique story of how that takes place. In this series of podcasts, members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is my Grace Life story. Welcome into another episode of my Grace Life story. I'm joined by Tim Martin today. He's taking care of all the technical side of things here in the Grace Life Media Studio. And I'm joined by Jim and Connie Hatcher. How are the Hatchers doing this morning? Very well, thank you. Thank you. Good. So good to have you guys with us today. I, I want to start off just by letting you guys introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. So, Jim, start with us. Tell us a little bit about who you are and some background info on you, please. Well, as you mentioned, I'm Jim Hatcher. I was raised across the river in Florence. What year uh, were you born, brother? I was born in 1959. Right, so that makes you how old today? 64. 64 years 64 young. 64 years young. Absolutely. Right. Great. Uh, so, uh, like I said, I was raised there, born in Gadsden, but I don't remember anything that since, it was, uh, since we moved here when I was about 18 months old. But okay. Raised in Florence. Uh, went to school there all the way through UNA. Where did you graduate high school from? Coffee. Which a lot is of no longer exists. I know, you know, but I, I very rarely meet a Bradshaw grad, but I meet a lot of coffee grads. I don't, I don't know what that means. But yes, obviously now, coffee and Bradshaw are Florence High School. This is true. So, yeah. That's right. So you were a yellow jacket, right? I was a yellow jacket. There you go. I got you. So uh, anyway, after, after graduating from UNA, moved off for three and a half years. A company recruiting on campus moved me to West Tennessee and then came back to this area. I've been here ever since. Right, Talk to me a little bit about growing up in Florence. What was your family life like? Were you, were you raised in a Christian home? Were your parents believed? Well, that, what did that look like? That's that's where that fits right into my testimony. I okay. was raised in a Christian home. My father was a very godly man, the quintessential spiritual leader in the home. Uh, not perfect by any means, obviously, but uh, we were. In church, you've heard the expression every time the doors were open. That was literally true for us. Well, where was your church home in Florence? I, I was raised at St. James United Methodist Church, okay. and not where it is now. It was an, it was an old older building in uh, in Florence. As you go across Singer River Bridge, you can still see that building there. Okay. It's something else yeah, now, but I anyway. And like I say. We were in, I, I like to say I, I've been in church in the physical sense, not the spiritual sense, uh, since nine months before I was born. Yeah. I mean, and just as active as a person could be, school activities, nothing was allowed to come before the local church, yeah. uh, which is, is the way it should be. I, I don't know. Some might say he was a little extreme in that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I'm at 64 years old. I look back and I'm very grateful for that. Amen. In 1973... He loaded us up, uh, my mother and my two brothers, I'm the middle of three, okay. to to go here. David Wilkerson preached mm. at the Florence Coliseum, if you it's know who David Wilkerson is. The Cross and the Switchblade, the right? switchblade yeah. fame, the, the movie and the book and all. So we he loaded us up to go hear David Wilkerson preach. And I was 14 years old in 1973, and, and uh, I listened, I remember that very well. And but before you go forward, all right, so at 14, you've been in church all your life. Obviously, when we think of the Methodist church today, much of what's in the media about the Methodist church is not real positive. But I, I know that there are, are still good, faithful Methodist churches. But, but what was the context of the Methodist church you grew up in? Was, was the gospel very, preached there? It was. It was okay. very different than what you, what you know today. And probably right. even then there were congregations who were liberal. I don't, I don't really right. know. Where I grew up at that time in the 60s right. and, and, and early 70s, obviously we would disagree with some secondary doctrines and uh, sure. that, you know, the baptism of babies and mm -hmm. things of that nature. But uh, as far as first order doctrines in that day, you heard the gospel Amen. for the most part. Right. Um, at that David Wilkerson crusade, at the end of it, he gave a public invitation. My brother and, and my brother and I went responded to the invitation, my younger brother, 
And I was just as sincere as I could be. It wasn't one of those situations where I've heard of where, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, quote, go down front because my buddies are going or whatever. Yeah, sure. I felt pressure from the event. It wasn't any of that. I, I genuinely felt conviction of my sin and mm. responded to the invitation and, and, and they, they several people did and there were it was kind of a group counseling session not one on one so fast forward 6 years after that now i mean i'm 14 at that time so then i go on through high school and i'm in college and at 20 years old i was having a conversation with the girl that i was dating at that time who later became my first wife who passed away uh, later about uh, conversion, what conversion looks like, and, and about my personal salvation. And I came to realize that when I looked back, going through the teen years, I looked like a Christian just primarily because of my raising, because I was already, that, that's all I knew. Sure. And so anybody that knew me would say that that young man is a Christian, but th- I didn't see any real genuine spiritual fruit in my life. Okay. And so that, that night after that conversation, I went home, and on the way home in a 1975 AMC Pacer, <laughs> I just I did business with God. And what they used to say, uh, which is not necessarily a biblical statement, but we used to say, I nailed it down. Yeah. And so I count that as my conversion. Okay. My let me, true let conversion. me ask you this. What prompted that conversation? I don't remember that. Okay. We were, she was not, I almost used the word confronted me, by, but it wasn't that. Okay. She, I don't think she necessarily doubted that I was a believer, but she right. wanted to know for sure that sure. that I understood okay. what conversion really looked like. Right. And it prompted my thinking, for lack of a better way to put it, I think that was the Holy Spirit, but sure. uh, theologically speaking. but. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, when you when we've talked with folks about their conversion, and all of us, that's why this is my Grace Life story. Everyone's story of coming to Christ looks a bit different, and, and how the Lord has continued to work in their lives looks a bit different. But, you know, it's interesting that it, you know, really, even though at 14 it wasn't your conversion, but, but no doubt I would say that the Holy Spirit was awakening you to some things at 14 there at David Wilkerson as he's preaching, and maybe... Maybe not full conversion is seen, but you know the the Lord works in those seasons of our lives. I know when I can look back at my life, there was really a period of over two years where the Lord was really dealing with me, um, conviction of sin and 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 knowing my need of Christ. But but you know it was a, kind of a two year process. And I know when God saves us, it's it's an instantaneous act. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit he he woos us, you know, and he convicts us and brings us to Him. So uh, you know it, it's just good to hear that. Uh, you know, yes, you're converted there at 20, but but God was working in your life in a lot of ways, you know, through those times. Well, to your point, it will not surprise me if I get to heaven and learn that I was actually converted on that in 1970. It very well may be the case. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I am now. So at any (laughs) rate, uh, that's where where I am. Amen. Good. All right, Connie, how about you? Let's share a little bit about who you are and where you grew up and, and all that type of stuff. I'm Connie Thrasher Hatcher. (laughs) I was born Connie Thrasher anyway, in uh, Lawrence County, Alabama. Okay. At Hatton is where I grew up. All right, good. Went to Hatton to school. It was a Hatton Hornet. Hornets, that's right. Right. I was blessed also by being raised in a Christian home. We went to church a lot. I was very young, of course, at the age of nine at a revival was the first time I remember God speaking to my heart, convicting me. I was very troubled and very convicted Mm -hmm. that night. And I didn't, well, this church, it was one, you know, you go forward and and everything. And so I was troubled all the next day. Mm -hmm. And I asked my sister, how old do you have to be before you can be saved? Now, is your sister older or younger? She's yeah, older. She was older than you. Three okay. years older. Gotcha. And she said, well, there's no age, you know, that right. you have to be if God's speaking to your heart. And, and so uh, I just had to uh, do something about it. I just right. couldn't stand it. It was yeah. just such conviction. Mm-hmm. And so the next night, as you do, mm-hmm. go forward. But in my heart... I knew when I went, I was 
trust in Jesus to save me. And when this is the thing, because I did not remember much at all about my childhood. But that night, I remember so clearly to this day. Was that in your home church, or was that was in my home church? That it happened. Uh I got you. It was the burden that was lifted was from me. Amen. And so then I grew up and went on to school, Hatton, went to college. I went to the junior college out at Calhoun. Okay. And Decatur mm-hmm. Community College. And I loved it there. And I was so blessed. God has so blessed me all my life. That's all yeah. I can say. He's been with me and everything. But there was a bus back then. This was in the old days. A bus that went by the house right in front. I could just get on the bus, ride the bus to college, mm-hmm. ride it back home. And get off and do my study and go back the next day. And then I transferred to Florence State University. Okay. Which, well, I was going to become a teacher. And so I went there at that time, Florence State University. And so at one point I went in to uh, prepare and register to pay for my tuition and all because I didn't know anything back then about what they do now with all the applying for scholarships and everything like that. Mm -hmm. We weren't really counseled like that. And so I went in and and they said, oh, well, yours is is taken care of. And I said, what? They said, you have a grant. And I didn't know what a grant was. Right. <laughs> I had no idea what a grant was. Uh, yeah. And she kept explaining. She said, it's a grant. You've got a grant. Yeah. I had not applied for a grant. Right. I had not applied for anything. And she finally said, it's a gift. Yeah. You don't have to there pay it back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so things like that, that's from God. Amen. No other. And I, to this day, I do not know. Yeah. Anyway, so that was all taken care of, and I graduated, and then I started teaching school. And again, God provided, bless me, with being able to teach at the school. What school were you teaching at? at? Hatton. At Hatton, okay. So right back home, yeah. Yes, back home. Now, what year was that? That was 1974. I graduated in December of 73. Okay. And they just started a program for the... It was kindergarten light, but they didn't call it that. It was a preschool. And so they needed teachers because it started in February. We went around to all the schools and tested mm-hmm. the children that might be applicable for that. And then my position was at Hatton. So I started teaching there, although I was out of field. I was I had taken, I had a double major in English and history and secondary education, and this was in elementary education. Okay. But they were desperate they, for they needed people. teachers. They were willing to overlook that right. if they could get someone in, at right? That, <laughs> at that time. Yeah. So I was able to do that. And then the next year, I taught a title in reading, which at that time I was in my field because of the English sure. that I had. Okay. And then I got a sixth grade position teaching the language arts. And I could tell, you know, okay, God is directing me to stay here and teach in the elementary. So then I went back and got certified in elementary. Gotcha. now, this whole time, were you were you still a part of your home church where the yes. Lord had saved you? And, yes. Okay, so what was that like? I, you know, it, I know Hatton's a fairly small community mm-hmm. uh, where there are, you know, trying to think back here. Obviously, I grew up here at Grace Life, so we had a, a large student group. We had student activities, and, you know, it was a big part of, you know, church life when you were, were that age. What, what about in, in your church there at Hatton? Was uh, you know, was this a, a fairly vibrant church? Were there a lot of folks, a lot of young folks? I, what did that look like? There were seasons. There were some seasons that were just real on fire and, and really wonderful. There were right. some down seasons that, that weren't. There were some wonderful, godly people there. Mm-hmm. And the older, when I was young, I was a little girl, and I used to watch these older people. Hmm. They were always there, and that was just a testimony to me. Yeah, great. And we had the uh, 
GAs and things like that. Yep, yep. And I am thankful for learning all those verses at that yes, time. Yes. When I did, it was the regular Southern Baptist Church. And it was a blessing to be there and singing in the choir. And I had some wonderful, wonderful friends. And I taught after I got older, of course, because I was there such a long time because I married so late, so right. much later, taught the VBS and different classes and yeah. things like that. So yeah. great. That was we had we had some student things, mm -hmm. but there weren't that many of us. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like yeah. Other no, places. that's that's great. It's but, a wonderful testimony, and I I often think, and and I think we've brought this out in some of our other podcast episodes, but far too often I believe, and and it's true today. It's probably been true for some time now. We're looking for the next big thing in church life, or the next big thing in evangelicalism. When really, more times than not, I think the Lord uses the ordinary means of grace that He has given us in the context of the church to be what He He really forms and shapes and sanctifies us with. And, you know, Connie, just you saying, hey, you know, I looked up to these older godly men and women that just were there. They were faithful. They were there Sundays and probably Wednesdays, and they, they didn't miss. I mean, I know they probably missed from time to time, but, but just their consistent faithfulness made an impression on you, Jim. Same thing when you talk about your family and your dad growing up, just we're going to be there. We're going to be a part of the church. It's going to be a priority in our lives. Uh, you know, you can hold events, and, and we do some of that here, and those things aren't bad, and, and there's some goodness in some of those things. But, you know, really over when you when – you, you kind of take a step back, and, and we look back over years and decades of God working in our lives. I know it's true for me, and it sounds like it's at least true partially for both of you, that it was just that week in, week out, church life, fellowship, preaching, singing in the choir, VBS in the summer, you know, the, and, and that's what God uses most of the time in our lives. And so it's an encouragement. Uh, I am a fan of faithful, ordinary plotting plodding along, just step after step in the Christian life. Hey, there's some exciting times. Praise the Lord for that. But a lot of them are just ordinary. Let's just live for the Lord again today. Let's just show up. Let's hear the preaching of God's Word again. Let's be in the choir. Let's serve in a small group. Yeah, all those things that sometimes we can look at and say, well, that's not really exciting. Yeah, but it's life. You know, it's life together in the local church. And so it's an encouragement to hear you say that. Um, Jim, let's kind of bounce back over to you. So uh, you converted, make a profession of faith at this point. Um, grew up in the Methodist church. So did, I'm assuming did believers baptism follow after this conversation? And after you, quote unquote, nailed it down as you're thinking about this in, in the car ride, what, what did that look like? That, that's, that's, uh, it's interesting you asked that question about okay. believers baptism. Yeah. Being raised a Methodist, the the, the baptism beliefs are, are, are different. Sure. Uh, and so in 1973, it never occurred to me to go be uh, follow the Lord in believers' baptism as we put right. it, immersion. But in at 20 years old in 1979, I was still in the Methodist Church at that time. But I wanted to be baptized by immersion, what we call believers' baptism. So I was in a little bit of a conundrum. My first wife's father was a Baptist preacher, okay. independent Baptist preacher, usually smaller churches, you know, right. moved here in this area. No, well, no. no, not primarily. Okay. Uh, occasionally he would, uh, he, he would start churches and, gotcha. and then kind move of a church on. plant circuit kind riders, sort of. Yeah. Bit. Okay. Gotcha. But at this time he was pastor at Maranatha Baptist church in Decatur. And so all I needed to do, I, I was ignorant of this process, not being raised a Baptist. Mm. So I didn't know that I needed to, you know, we need to kind of line this up. I show up at a service and turn the invitation. I just walk down and I need to be baptized. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so kind of threw him for a loop. So he said, uh, well, he told the song leader there, lead the congregation in, a, in another song, and uh, we're going to go back here and baptize Jim. So there you go. It's kind of a, easy as a, that. To, a little unorthodox to say, <laughs> to say the least, but it was sort of the Ethiopian eunuch kind of thing. Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Uh, yeah. So, Amen. so he baptized, and he didn't baptize me into that fellowship. You know, which we, you know, you can we can discuss that all day. But right, you know, it was more of an impromptu baptism. Exactly. Man, right? I, okay. I would not recommend that uh, for <laughs> new believers, but uh, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Amen. So that was my baptism. Okay, I got you. Uh, all right. So, so. 
so you're baptized now. So talk to me a little bit about how the Lord begins to work in your life. You've been converted now. You've, you've made a public profession of faith through baptism. You know, what, what does growth in the Lord begin to look like from that point? What, you know, what were you, were you working at this point, schooling? And, and how's the Lord begin to kind of put some of those things together in your life? I was, I was as, as, as is typical for a college kid, I was doing restaurant work and going to, going to college at the same time. The biggest evidence of my conversion, and this is why, this what I'm about to say is the primary reason I count that as my conversion right. as opposed to 1973. I had immediately, and, and I didn't really consciously think about this at the time, uh, recognize it as, as the way I'm about to verbalize it, but I had an insatiable hunger for the Word mm. that I previously had never had. Yeah. Amen. I would I would be at I would be in uh, on campus at UNA and I'd go over to Collier Library and pull out commentaries and 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 I brought my devotional little devotional and frankly sometimes I was studying scripture when I should have been studying marketing <laughs> uh, or whatever uh, yeah yeah uh, my grades didn't necessarily suffer but uh, yeah that wasn't because somebody said well if you're really saved you're, you're going to have a hunger for the word and so therefore I made that happen it was yeah. just it was a fruit it, it was a fruit fruit yeah. So there was where I was kind of off and running uh, okay. after that, uh, after April of 1979. Okay. A couple of years later, graduated in, in 1981. And what was your degree in? It, it was in uh, double majored management and marketing. Okay. And a comp- as I mentioned before, a company recruiting on campus, as they do, hired me and moved me up to uh, West Tennessee. And, and my first wife, Jerry Ann, and I were to be married in August, but I started work on June the 1st, so I moved up there by myself, and I'm starting to visit around church, visit churches. My membership is still in my home church, the Methodist right. Church. Oh, but, by the way, to interrupt you, did the Methodist Church have any, did they have anything to say when they found out you'd been baptized as a believer by immersion, or was it just like, eh, okay. Yeah, no, it was, okay. it was right. like, so they were good my, my parents, you know, my, my father, who was a, a lifelong Methodist, it was, okay. you know, right. no, that was fine. Okay. All that right. was good. fine. There was, no, there was no conflict there. I did, <laughs> I did at that time kind of wonder about yeah. that, but no, there was a, it, was, it was fine, they, you know. Uh, all right. Um, okay, good, good. So, gotcha. uh, long story short, uh, we we joined the First, First Baptist Church of Camden, Tennessee. Okay. And uh, she immediately became the pianist for the, for them. It was a great. It was it was kind of. I don't mean this in a negative way, but it was just kind of a typical Southern Baptist church. But God used it in my life. You know, from where I was in my spiritual walk at that time. And uh, so we stayed up there for three and a half years. And and, and uh, she right. We were we were married in August of eighty one, as I mentioned. Right at our first anniversary. I have no memory of our first anniversary because she was diagnosed with cancer right about that time. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily on that day, but right around that time. And so for the next couple of years, she uh, was taking chemo and, and, and therapy, and she was not expected to survive that, which she did not. Right. So I looked for employment back down here to be near parents and her oncologist, et cetera. So that's how we happened to move back down here. Gotcha. So when we moved back down here, my history was with the Methodist Church, but I was looking for a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up visiting what was then First Baptist Okay. Uh, so, Shoals. so, so, what year is this? This is nineteen eighty four. Okay. So, Tim, you're what, the church historian here. What? Where is First Baptist in nineteen eighty four? What building are we in, and all that type? Of well, stuff. we were in the warehouse. Okay. So straight, straight up warehouse Baptist. Because that's the same year I got here. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> y'all, y'all are kindred spirits yep. here. He, he and Lynn, I believe, married that year. Yeah, we married in eighty four. Okay. As did Brother Jeff and Pam. Yeah. Same day. Same day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember and that. So, uh, yeah. Yes, so our paths are converging on one another here in these testimonies. Right, yeah, it, was right. the, it was the gravel parking lot and the gravel parking building. Lot. That's I right. walked in. Uh, so how did you, how did you find out about warehouse Baptist? Well, I went to work as an insurance agent coming down here, and okay. and the sales manager. I was asking. He was a Baptist, and so I was asking him. You know, what would you recommend? And he and he told me this is what he said. He said, if you want a a warm, loving church. And he named another Baptist church. He said, but if you want one that's growing and on fire for the Lord, visit First Baptist <laughs> Muscle Shelf. Okay. And Jerry's younger brother and his wife were happened to be members here anyway. Okay. okay. So so we show up here. First time I walked in across that gravel parking lot and into those doors that now go into the nursery area. Chris Christensen stops. <laughs> he was the door greeter. I've never seen this man before in my life. And he <laughs> looks at me and he said, 
Come here, I got to tell you something. <laughs> what? I got to warn you about something. I said, what is it? He said, coming here will be habit for me. <laughs> well, and he was right. Uh, and uh, so we, we uh, landed in, uh, along with Tim and Lynn and Phil and Becky Baggett and uh, several yeah, others in yeah. the Norman and Dee's Young Married Couples class. And okay. We, and we were off and running. That was 38 years ago. So. Wow. Did you visit the other church, the Warm and Loving I, I Church? I did once on a Wednesday night by uh-huh. myself. I don't remember why I was by myself, but uh, just on a Wednesday night, which is sure. not a fair. I mean, sure. you know, sure. I yeah. would not want to, you know, yeah. but I, I just felt, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, not to be, you know, hyper spiritual or uh, dramatic, but I just sensed God leading yeah. us here. So Amen. this is where we landed. Amen. So 1984, Connie, what are you doing in 1984? Are you still teaching, still at Hatton, and, all right, and still in your home church? Yes, there still in my home well. church okay. there right. at Hatton. So progressive. And in, um, it was 1986, the summer, that I went to Chaco Springs Baptist Assembly to work. And I was the house parent, the house parent for the girls' staffers. Okay, so, so how did that come about? Well, how, do, how do you get roped into being the house parent for a group of girls at Chaco Springs Baptist Retreat? <laughs> I was. I had been traveling a lot during the summers. I had traveled different places with uh, this other lady, well, there were two other single ladies, and and we took the Amtrak here and there, and you know, different and places. And it was a wonderful blessing to sure. get to do that, a lot of fun and and everything. But just different things had happened in my life, and I wanted to do something more. Yeah. You know, it was. If it's God, is what it was. And so I found out about, it's called an LIT. It was Leadership in Training. That was in April of the year. And so there were different young people there and and all, and I was there. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and there was another lady also that that went. Okay. And it was a, a weekend. And we changed the beds. We worked in the dining hall. It was hard work, but we also, at the time, had a Bible study and did did a lot of different things together. For that weekend, it was cram-packed full. After that, I was called and offered position to to come. Well, I thought I was just going as a regular staffer at first. Of course, it wasn't the pay that I was going for anyway. But I just figured I was be getting what the regular staffers got. But then later, Dr. Ricker said, well, you know, we need you to be the house parent for these mm-hmm. girls. And How old was, were these girls? They were 16, 17, 18 so, so in high school. Yep. And then there were a few that were in college. Okay. L- young ladies. Right. You know, they, they were precious. It was mm-hmm. a wonderful experience. And I loved doing that. And so one day he called me. I worked at the gift shop there mm-hmm. also. And he called me one day and said, why did I tell you I was going to be paying you? And I said, oh, well, you know, I don't know. We didn't talk about that. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. So uh, that, was, that was all that. But I went back every summer for four years and worked there and worked with these young people. Okay. Young people and yeah. we, we went to different churches and sang on the weekends. Okay. But a lot of weekends, of course, there were uh, conferences there that we right. were working. But uh, I was working in the gift shop most of the time, and then on Sundays when the gift shop was closed, I would pour the coffee in the dining hall, you know, or help mm-hmm. serve do do things like that. Right. And this comes into play because we did not know it. I mean, I knew that different churches came for the right. deacon's men retreat. Yeah. And after Jim and I got married, or I guess when we started seeing each other, we figured out, hey, we were down there at the same time. <laughs> I may have uh, poured his coffee or sold uh, yeah. him something, gift shop. Who knows? But, you know, we didn't know each other or anything. I knew that the different churches that came, because I would help with the registration, Mm -hmm. too, on the the Saturday morning, I guess, because most most of them did it on Friday night, came in. You just never know. Yeah. But after that, I was hungry for for more. Yeah. 
yeah. just hungry for just more. Just to serve, right? Just to serve, to serve. serve someone. Yeah, and good. more opportunities, I guess. And so I and I had been in a relationship also, mm-hmm. and so that was ending and everything, but not before I moved. But I did move to Muscle Shows in November of 1989. Okay. I lived in a mobile home, moved the mobile home here. But this is another story to tell. Keep going. That's fine. Uh, okay. We like stories. That's what we're doing this here. Is, this is your grace life story, right? This is, this is God, too. It's all uh, God. But I had one, I had been thinking about moving, mm-hmm. thinking about moving. And I didn't know which would be a safe place for a single, an older single woman, Mm -hmm. you know, to move. And so finally I checked out one that I thought was was okay, maybe, and I called about it. Well, the man who owned owned the whole place said, well, you know, he didn't know that lot that might be available, uh, he just, he didn't know that about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, of course, from his position, here's a single woman with a mobile home. I just don't know about that. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know me or anything. Right. So I go, though, to uh, a man from Hatton who moved mobile homes at that time. And I went in that day. And ask, I was going to ask him, you know, would he, could we work that out? And he would do it when I did get to move, if I did or whatever. The Lord was just having to take care of it all. So I walk in, and we were talking a little bit. I told him why I was there and that I was looking for a place. And, and I had talked to somebody, but I didn't know if I was going to get a spot. And he said, well, here he sits right here. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I had taught the man's children at Hatton. Oh, okay. I knew his family. He knew my family. He knew me, mm-hmm. you know, everything. And just so happened, the one was sitting right there who could rent me the spot. Yeah. Okay. So when I leave, I think, well, God, you know. It's whatever. And so it was I, maybe that week or the next week. It wasn't long. And that man called me and said, you still want to move? <laughs> and it was all worked out. Yeah. So from there, I got moved. And I wanted to come to First Baptist. Okay. I did. But I had to be sure that's what God wanted. Right. I knew Melvin J.D. Burney. They were from Hatton. They used to go to the same church, right. you know, that I did out there and everything. And uh, so she had told me about this church, too. So I visited different churches in mm-hmm. the area. I would go to one on Sunday morning. I would go back on Sunday night. Right. And a lot of different ones. But my heart I always was coming back here yeah, and drawn sure. back here. And I would come here, I guess, maybe on Wednesday nights. But I did go to one where I was early, you know, as visitors. We mm-hmm. go early to be sure and find everything. All the lights were off where the room was, all the things that was in the basement class where I would be in. Mm-hmm. There was nobody down there. Somebody did take me down there. I said, well, oh, they'll be here in in a few minutes and all. But that always drove home to me the importance that we do here to mm-hmm. have, if you've got a position, you've got to be here, be here. Yeah. in time. You never know when the visitor's coming. Right. And it is important. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But all those different different churches and God was just pulling me back here mm-hmm. and I was I was so thankful because I knew that one Sunday morning in January that this is where I was to be this so I spot. joined 
yeah. that Sunday morning, 1990. Yeah. Okay. Jim, let's jump back over here to you. So 1984, okay. Warehouse Baptist, guy says, this is going to be addictive if you come in here. You, this is going to be <laughs> habit forming. Obviously, it was. You're still here. Uh, what do you remember about that? Once you get in the door and this guy has told you this is going to be habit forming, you know, I, do you remember your first time at, at what was then First Baptist? Do you remember preaching? And obviously, you said you were in a, a, a couple small group class. But, but what, what were some first impressions maybe as you came in and started visiting the church? Well, two or three things, really. The people were just embracing and welcoming and loving Amen. as visitors. Brother Bob Pittman's preaching was not anything I'd heard before, and it was it was very edifying. How was it different? Well, it, 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 that's a difficult question to ask me with speci- to, to answer with specificity. It's just it, it, I, I was just fed by it, okay. as opposed to and and it's not to say I, I, nobody ever preached anything that fed me. I'm not saying right, that. I understand that. But it, it, if I could use the word deeper, maybe or okay. uh, uh, more ex- expositional, sure, and that kind of thing. But the other thing is. I mentioned we landed in Norman and D. Rich's class. They were like, and uh, Brother Tim, I think, would probably affirm this from, because we're got to remember we're in our early to mid twenties at this right. point, and they were just like, you know, uh, mother hens, uh, uh, you know, to, to the chicks, <laughs> uh, like like yeah. like second yeah. set of parents yeah. almost. So, you know? so, how old would Norman and D. have been at that time? I talked to him the other day, and I, I caught him at a fast food restaurant. I think he would have probably been late forties, probably okay. mid to late forties. Okay, yeah. All right. gotcha. I, I'm thinking at forty-eight. I told him just the, just last week when I ran across him, because he told me he was eighty something. I forgot what he said. Okay. And I said, I said you were you were like forty-eight when I came here, and I thought you were older than dirt. <laughs> <laughs> we did. And we thought they were old. Yeah. <laughs> so how many people were in that class? So Tim, you and Lynn were in there, yeah. and and so how many? We're talking about a young couples class. Was you know we're talking ten couples, five couples. What, what do you think? It's probably ten or twelve couples. I think okay. probably it was a room full. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we're probably a third. Of, I mean, less than that. Probably are still here. The baggots and uh, or less. Yeah. 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 It'd be less. Yeah. In fact, off the top of my head, I can just think of us three couples. Okay. Probably, there may be more that I'm yeah. not thinking about. But gotcha. Um, All right. So that so that was kind of your your first impressions there. Those, those right. Things. Um, so all right, Tim, church historian again. Uh, remind me again, when does Brother Jeff come on as senior pastor? Well, that was uh, Brother Bob left in the fall of 88, okay. November of 88. All right. Brother Jeff started preaching November 88, officially became pastor in April of 89. Okay. So, Connie, by the time you come and join Brother Jeff as senior pastor at that point, right. Jim, you were here for the transition of that. So, Jim, what were first impressions is, is Brother Bob obviously receives a call to a church in Memphis. And now you have Brother Jeff moving in as senior pastor. What was going through your mind? Was that a, okay, here we go, or was that a, uh, what's going to happen just here? Kind of, it was a smooth transition for me because okay. Brother Jeff was already an associate pastor. And, and he was preaching quite And a he bit. was preaching. You know, he was, he was uh, the Brother Matt at that time. So, he, you know, he was, he was filling the pulpit quite right. a bit. So I was used to his preaching, liked okay. his preaching. So it was not, it, for me personally, it was relatively seamless. Okay. For the church, it was not so much okay. because of that. I would leave that to the historian over there if you want to go into that. <laughs> uh, but um, I was, I, I was at that time basically just an attender because of my uh, then wife's condition. She was over in Huntsville Hospital, mm-hmm. and I was basically going from there over just to attend. I had been relegated to. Not being so intimately involved with sure. the, any of this that's going on, so for me it was, it was pretty seamless. But it, you know, it's been a blessing, obviously. Yeah, amen. So Connie, so you joined 1990, I believe you said, and so Brother Jeff's a senior pastor. And so give me some first impressions. You know, as you come to to Grace Life, you know, maybe maybe uh, first impression of the preaching, the the ministry, the people here. Uh, you know, fill me in on on what that experience was like for you. The preaching was deeper and I, I loved it yeah. I love I love to hear it and yeah. I still do yeah. amen, amen. <laughs> I, I still do Absolutely. that was that was one difference okay. it was family it was fa- you it was a big church because I was used to a small church right. but it was a bigger family it was like a bigger family because mm-hmm. you get to know so many 
others in different ways from being in the choir and 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 class and different things. The visitation, I will say, I've got to say this, before I came here and I had people visit me, mm-hmm. Donna Bradley came to visit. Donna's still visiting people. And yes, still she doing. is. And we had that connection immediately. We had different things in common and all. And she, when she left that night, she said, you're our kind of people, <laughs> you know, uh, and I was just just so thankful. But it's just been so wonderful to be able to be in the in the body mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. And one one thing was that was different too. I wondered. I've been here a while, and they don't have a business meeting or anything yet. You know, who who takes care of all this? It has to has to be taken care of because we always had our business meetings and everybody voted on this and everything. Then I learned that was taken care of and I didn't have to worry about it. And it is it is yes. (laughs) Yes. It is wonderful. Yeah. It is wonderful. All right. So Jim, you get here in nineteen eighty four Connie, you joined in 1990. At some point, you guys meet, and obviously at some point you become husband and wife. So you guys fill us in on how that comes about. Yeah, I I have already mentioned my first wife passed away with uh, cancer, and that was in 1990. In 1989, February of 89, she had had a massive stroke and so was uh, incapacitated with some paralysis. Mm -hmm. And so she was homebound. They had sent her home, and she was home in a hospital bed for a little over a year. And in 1990, she passed away in June of 1990, and I'm in the choir. And Well, before I say that, I, I, Bill Meckes called and, and said they were starting a single-again class. And I was newly, obviously freshly widowed, and he wanted to know would I come in there and help with that. And so I did. Well, it so happens that Connie Thrasher went in there, not because she was single again, but she was single and in kind of that age bracket. It didn't really fit into the, you know, college age level right. type thing. And so we that we met in there mm-hmm. in that class. And also we both were in the choir. Okay. She was a new member and joined the choir. And and the way the seating arrangement was at that time, similar to it, the way it is now, she sat on the and obviously we're in the older old auditorium. Right. She sat on the end of the alto row, and I sat on the end of the bass row, not by design. It's just where we fell, and so we just get to chatting. Sure. And uh, one day we went to lunch after church, mm-hmm. and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> now, we'll say this. Uh, before, Con- Connie a, has a heart for this kind of thing. She is a, she's a, a card writer and a, and a caller. She, that's why she's the poster child for outreach. Mm-hmm. My Jerry got a card in uh, early in 1990 from Connie Thrasher, who I did not know who that was. And Jerry reads it and says, uh, who, "Who's Connie Thrasher?" I said, "I have no idea. I've never heard of her. I, I do know a young lady joined our church recently. It could be her. Mm-hmm. I don't know." So Connie actually sent. She, she's just sending a card to sick people yeah. in in yeah. church. Yeah. Uh, homebound people didn't know who that was, and so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. She sends she sends Jerry a, a card, you know, an encouragement card, mm-hmm. and then later, later we end up marrying. So yeah. I don't know if you have any. Connie, you want to add add any details to that? I would like to add. All right, that go ahead. I was I was a little hesitant to start with because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be hurt anymore, you know. Sure. And I, of course, I was always a little hesitant about marriage anyway. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I would be capable of doing that, I guess. But after Jim had had asked me to go to lunch that day and and everything and and we did start seeing each other and I I I remember I was making up the bed one morning and I said, Lord, if you want to use me to help him, you know, during this time, then just don't let me care or anything. I didn't want to. And I didn't think anything would ever come of it because I'm six and a half years older than mm-hmm. than is, And I never really thought anything would, would happen. But <laughs> then later on, I started thinking, well, you know, and, and I mean, Jim is such a godly man, <laughs> such a wonderful man. And 
God did what <laughs> what he was going to do, yeah. and I am so thankful. But I do want to say there were these older ladies again, mm-hmm. older in the senior apartment, and they told me, that, different ones at different times, we've been praying for y'all to get together. <laughs> <laughs> They were probably doing maybe some little matchmaking they on the were, side, right? Well, I, I don't, I don't uh, know what happened, but anyway, that was just God gave that to me as yeah. confirmation mm-hmm. for Amen. me, which I needed. I, I needed that confirmation, and He was such a blessing. And again, I think of the family, mm-hmm. the family of God, and the love, and the, just the yeah. it's just wonderful being Amen. here. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I'm so thankful. Yeah. He has blessed our marriage so much, and yeah. just praise Him for it. Amen. That's great. Well, you guys share with me a little bit about, I mean, you guys have been here, you know, Jim, 84, and so, you know, that's a long time. Connie, you, 1990, that's a long time as well. We're, you know, three-plus decades of time here at Grace Life. So share with me just a little bit about some of the some of the ministry you've been involved in, maybe some of the places that you've served, different ministry activities here. There are a lot of those that, that happen in the ebb and flow of Grace Life Church. So, Jim, start with you again. Just, you know, what are some ways that the Lord's allowed you to serve during your time here at Grace Life? And maybe some of the ways those those times of service have impacted your life for God's glory and for your joy. Well, in uh, going on four decades, I have served in just about every way that a layman a layman can possibly serve. It, obviously, not ministerial staff or filling the pulpit, but just about everything else I've done at one time or another. Sometimes it, it fit into my spiritual gifts and and or talents, and sometimes it didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just fill in somewhere because somebody's got to do it. Right. And uh, so, in in eighty seven, I was ordained as a deacon. I okay. served as a deacon, and then when Brother Jeff came on board, uh, he he established what what he then called the Pastors Council, which remember became that? the elder body. Yes, remember that. So I became an elder. Okay. Uh, what was that like? Well, for ten years, I served as an elder, and here's the way that worked. Since it was not it was not established as the elder body by title, it, it right. functioned as one, and and we didn't we didn't have an a, an elder nomination process or whatever we. We had just had that a deacon nomination process, mm-hmm. so the 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 men who received I, I believe that I believe I'm right. Tim, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I, the men who received the most deacon nominations, we said, Brother Jeff said, we're going to pull them off and make that the pastors' council. Okay. At that time, again, it wasn't elders. Mm-hmm. So then then they became elders, and I served ten years. But I realized that my spiritual giftedness. Biblically, was more in line with that of a deacon because of, of gift of service and sure. et cetera, rather than the gifts that fall in line with the with the, the uh, a, a, an elder. So I rolled myself off of the elder body onto the deacon body for that reason because that's where I, I, where I believe God wanted me serving yes, as sure. opposed to Amen. a leadership role in in the, in the sense of an elder. But in every 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 way that I've served, it has been a blessing. Uh, God has has uh, used it in my life. He's He's used me and the body in some ways mm-hmm. along the way. But you alluded to it earlier. Th- this whole spiritual walk, all these years, the sanctification process is just is brick upon brick. It's just mm-hmm. trudging along, as you put it, I believe, Amen. a while ago. It's not so much the mountaintops. Now, thank God for the mountaintops. Yes. There have been some spiritual mountaintops in my life, yeah. as, as I'm sure all of you would say the same thing. What I think, I believe it was Henry Blackaby, I may be wrong, maybe call him the wrong name, but he called them spiritual markers. Okay. You know, and I've had those. I could, I could go back and name some of those times where God just did a work right here and it, from which I never went back. But those are few and far between. Yeah. Mostly it's just that trudging along, like you mm-hmm. said. And so my service in the body, over these years has been been that way. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. It, yeah. Frankly, it's not, you know, at any given time, it may not be an enjoyable thing. You know, I'm a, sometimes I'm a Jonah. You know? <laughs> but through it all, through it all, God in His sovereignty plugs us in where He wants us to be. Yeah, amen. Uh, Jim, talk to me a little bit about you. You're part of the choir. You're also an author. You're a writer. 
Talk to me a little bit about how did that come about? I mean, you know, the you, you sing and then you can write songs and you've written some poetry and I, you, you know, Lord's given you some some gifts and abilities there. Is that something that is that something that even as a kid you had an interest in that and you've just grown up with it, or is that something the Lord did later in your life to hey, I think I'm going to explore this a little bit? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, as far as as far as the choirs go. I've, I've been in a choir somewhere since childhood. Okay, so that, that one's been a long <laughs> I mean, I don't, thing. I, I do not you. know what it's like to be in church and not be in a choir. I got you. Growing up, I was in a children's choir, youth choir, adult choir, so mm. I don't know what it's like to not be in a choir. Okay. Whether it's good or bad, I don't yeah, know. Sure. As far as the writing goes, I have, I've always known I had, a, had some degree of talent because teachers in school would just would rave over my creative writing, whatever, okay. but I didn't particularly have an interest. I was more interested in catching a football yeah. than writing poetry right. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would only write if made to do so. Okay. When I was made to do so, I would get rave reviews. Yeah. And, I'd, and I would, uh, the same thing was true in college. Mm-hmm. My, my freshman comp professor in college would, would read mine. It, it went to, once he, once he, Speaking to the class, holding my paper, said, "Not all, now, not all of you can be a budding Shakespeare as, as this student is." And, <laughs> Those are which, high marks, budding which, Shakespeare, which is go. which is obviously a gross exaggeration. <laughs> but um, so, so there's a difference between spiritual gifts and natural talents. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're a theologian. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, those things are natural talents. Lost people have those sure. talents. So. Uh, we we all obviously should plug into a local body exercising our spiritual gifts, but also employing our natural talents to the glory of God in Amen. whatever way He leads. Yeah. Amen. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, that's good. I, I just wondered where if that was something like I said that that you'd had for a long time, or if that was something that just kind of came later in life. You thought, well, I'll try well I will this, expand so. on on that just a little bit in this sure. way. Go ahead. My father my father was an engineer, mm-hmm. a mechanical engineer. His aptitudes and my younger brother's the same way. He's an engineer. Were the I mean that higher mathematics is nothing to them. Mm-hmm. I can barely divide two into a hundred. <laughs> my my mother my mother was a musician. I mean okay. she was the church pianist growing right, up and all right. of that. And so I could in school I could ace the language arts and that kind of thing. But I had trouble with algebra, for example. My dad could not understand that because this is easy. You know, you're just not uh, applying yourself or whatever. And so in adulthood, we kind of laughed about that, you know, because I I, I said, yeah, but, you know, I can't do trigonometry, but can you sit down and write a poem? He said, well, no, because that's hard. I said, no, no, that's easy, trigonometry. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that got you. All right, Connie, same thing with you. You know, you've been here, you know, for for three decades plus now. Talk to me about how, you know, the Lord's allowed you to serve here at Grace Life and how he's impacted your life through some of those opportunities. It's all all been such a blessing to Hmm. be able to, to do that, to serve him. Back in 1990, right after I had I had joined, they were talking about going to Brazil on a mission trip. And some way I knew I was supposed to go. And I hadn't been here that long, but I asked about it. By that time, it was already filled up. There were no places, but I knew I was supposed to go. So I said, well, if anybody doesn't go, if they decide not to, just will you let me know? So uh, later on, a little later, there was a lady who wasn't able to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I so hate that for her, but I was so thankful to be able to do that. And that was the first mission trip, I think, that the church went on. Yeah. Brother Jeff yep. went and... A lot of the, the men went to build on a church, help them mm-hmm. build a church and different things like that on construction. We went, the ladies, we had a, a puppet team. Okay. And, of course, they spoke Portuguese, which we didn't, but some <laughs> uh, someone had, had written a script mm-hmm. and had someone do it in Portuguese. Right. And... Recorded all. Right. So what we did with the puppets, we had to know when our puppet was talking. Even I remember the old even puppet that was ministry in, days. Yeah, it was it was really 
Nate to get to do was hard because they were heavy. Yeah. And I've always <laughs> been a wimp, you know. I could never. Uh, but I, I was able to do that, and I was so thankful. And we would go there in Brazil to uh, orphanages, or we would go to a park, and we would go to VBS and mm-hmm. different places and churches. And that's what we did while we were there. Then yeah. at night, we would go to the services where Brother Jeff was preaching. Right. Of course, he had the interpreter to do that. And all that was just such a blessing because we would go some places to a church and then they would have a little gathering for us mm-hmm. afterwards and the fellowship with food and things. And We couldn't speak the language. They couldn't speak English. But what you got was just a little glimpse of heaven because it didn't matter. It didn't matter. We were all brothers and sisters in Christ there. You knew it. And that that oneness you felt, there was, there's no way, there's yeah. no way to describe it, yeah. really. Yeah. But it was such a blessing and, and uh, so many from from church took care of us. There were two single ladies, mm-hmm. myself and another, that went. And Brother Wayne Craft, Brother Gary Minnie went, um, different ones. And they would sort of watch after when we went to different places that might be a little risky, you know. Mm-hmm. And we pass out tracks and things. Okay. So that's what I mean by the family. Yeah. It was. It's a family body of Christ would look after each other. Kevin Millard went on that trip. That okay. was when he met yeah. his wife there. Yeah, that. And you just see God working in all so yeah. many different ways. But yeah. he did he did a healing in me from uh, the relationship I had been in. He did a lot of work in me and so much more deeper did my faith grow in seeing all that he was doing. Yeah. Just throughout everything. So I came back, and and then I was serving in ladies' classes. I've served in as outreach leader. I have taught a class, which, uh, and I do teach sometimes, you know, when the mm-hmm. teacher is out as being outreach. But I've been doing outreach, I don't know how many years, quite, <laughs> Lost a, count now, quite right? a few years, a long time for different different ones. Started out with Carolyn Minnie. Okay. Carolyn Minnie was, she was always there uh, for me from the very beginning mm-hmm. in choir and, and everything, and she has been ever since. Yeah. It's just all been a blessing to be able to serve there. Worked in VBS. I've worked in the kitchen. I've worked, you know, just different things you just do sure. because you're, you can do it, and God wants you to do it. That's always the bottom line to me. Yeah. That's what God wants you to do, and he lets you know. And I've been able to help on some some other things in the broadcast and editing, and that's been a great blessing because— Yeah, Connie I has been get, for, what, 25 years now at least? At least. She's there were sometimes I had— She's to, been editing yeah. sermon transcripts for Brother Jeff to prepare them to be edited for the radio broadcast, yeah. so she's been very important in but that. But that's a, that's a blessing because— of getting the word in me more, reading mm. the transcripts as I, you know, as you edit, is a, it's just all a blessing to be able to serve. Yeah. You're hum- humbled to be able to serve mm. in the way that he gives us to serve, yeah. the ability he gives us to serve. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I appreciate you guys joining us today, and, and that's a maybe a good place to try to land the plane here because serving is exactly what you guys have done now for decades, and, and it's what all of us, hopefully by God's grace, are efforting at every day in the context of our lives, in the context of the local church. Uh, as both of you have kind of said, hey, what needs to be done? How can I do it? How can I plug in? Uh, Jim, I agree with you. Sometimes you look at it and say, I don't know that I'm real good at this, but somebody, someone needs to serve there, right? Uh, someone needs to do that, and, and it's, a, it's a glorious privilege, whatever it is, to get to serve our Lord. And um, you, know, you guys have decades of being here at Grace Life, and obviously your lives have been impacted by the ministry of Grace Life Church. But, but I would also say that, that the Lord has used both of you to impact many lives through all this time here at Grace Life Church. And so I am always appreciative of 
those folks that are just like you, like we've talked about already, that, that, that trudge along, that plod along, faithful in the mundane, if we want to call it mundane, I don't know if that's the best word, but, but faithful just in the regular aspects of life and church life. And praise the Lord, He's just given us a church full of those people. Uh, you know, I think that to a large degree, that's what makes Grace Life, Grace Life. We've just got an army of people that truly love the Lord, truly love the gospel, and truly love the church, and it shows. It, it, it's demonstrated in their life, in their actions, and how they come and just faithfully continue to plot away. So appreciate you guys being willing to share with us a little bit of your Grace Life story, and uh, looking forward to how the Lord's going to continue that story into the future, all right? Amen. Amen. We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of My Grace Life Story. As members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. To find out more, visit gracelifeshoals.org. This podcast is a production of Grace Life Media.